I'm Sandra, and I'm just the professional your small business was looking for. But you didn't hire me because you didn't use LinkedIn jobs. LinkedIn has professionals you can't find anywhere else, including those who aren't actively looking for a new job, but might be open to the perfect role, like me. In a given month, over 70% of LinkedIn users don't visit other leading job sites. So if you're not looking on LinkedIn, you'll miss out on great candidates like Sandra. Start hiring professionals like a professional. Post your free job on linkedin.com slash people today. When you're ready to pop the question, the last thing you want to do is second guess the ring. At BlueNile.com, you can design a -a one-of-a-kind ring with the ease and convenience of shopping online. Choose your diamond and setting. When you find the one, you'll get it delivered right to your door. Go to BlueNile.com and use promo code LISTEN to get $50 off your purchase of $500 or more. That's code LISTEN at BlueNile.com for $50 off your purchase. BlueNile.com, code LISTEN. Story time. First and foremost, I have zero idea what this could be. If you thought the only way to get a more defined jawline with natural-looking results was through surgery, think again. Juvederm Volux XC is a non-surgical injectable gel filler that improves moderate to severe loss of jawline definition and can help you achieve natural-looking results with little downtime. Even better, this improved definition lasts up to one year with optimal treatment. No maintenance required. Improve jawline definition for a smooth, sculpted look with Juvederm Volux XC. For important safety information and to find a licensed specialist, visit Juvederm.com. That's J-U-V-E-D-E-R-M.com. Not for people with severe allergic reactions, allergies to lidocaine, or the proteins used in Juvederm. Common side effects include injection site redness, swelling, pain, tenderness, firmness, lumps, bumps, bruising, discoloration, or itching. There's a risk of unintentional injection into a blood vessel, which can cause vision abnormalities, blindness, stroke, temporary scabs, or scarring. Talk to a licensed specialist to find out if it's right for you. Planning for your next trip? Elevate your travel style with Quince. Quince has all the jet-setting essentials you'll want for your next getaway, like European linen, premium luggage options, buttery soft Italian leather bags, and so much more. And is all priced at 50 to 80% less than similar brands. Plus, Quince only works with factories that use safe and ethical manufacturing practices. Pack your bags with high-quality essentials you'll be wearing for vacations to come with Quince. Go to quince.com slash pack for free shipping and 365-day returns. Millions of people have lost weight with personalized plans from Noom, like Evan, who can't stand salads and still lost 50 pounds. Salads generally for most people are the easy button, right? For me, that wasn't an option. I never really was a salad guy. That's just not who I am, but Noom worked for me. Get your personalized plan today at Noom.com. Real Noom user compensated to provide their story. In four weeks, the typical Noom user can expect to lose one to two pounds per week. Individual results may vary. I'm Sandra, and I'm just the professional your small business was looking for. But you didn't hire me because you didn't use LinkedIn Jobs. LinkedIn has professionals you can't find anywhere else, including those who aren't actively looking for a new job, but might be open to the perfect role, like me. In a given month, over 70% of LinkedIn users don't visit other leading job sites. So if you're not looking on LinkedIn, you'll miss out on great candidates like Sandra. Start hiring professionals like a professional. Post your free job on linkedin.com slash people today. B. We have a playful humanoid hanging around our family and copying the appearance of my brother and I. I have never seen it myself but my family has seen it in places they know I and my brother cannot be in, like in the basement when I was still sleeping upstairs. The one time I caught sight of it I saw its silhouette in the kitchen, standing in front of the stove and framed by the light the clock on the stove was giving off. It wasn't moving and I didn't acknowledge it when I noticed it. The strange detail was I could only see it in one of my eyes, the other one could see right through him. It moves things around and can even slam doors. I witnessed it flipping a hat off a rack in my room and slamming the pantry door in the kitchen late at night. To my knowledge it has never spoken so I think it cannot copy our voices or just doesn't have a tongue. But I have woken up in the middle of the night to hear pain crying. Had a dream of drowning and woke up unable to breathe for a few moments as I heard my phone making the sound of water when there wasn't any apps playing music. When I go for walks at night I can see it at the edges of my flashlight's range, 
always watching me. I'm pretty sure it's not a doppelganger or skinwalker, but I don't know. Edit, this all took place at and around my parents' house in Florissant, Missouri. I live in suburban West Virginia, with a forest behind the line of houses on my side of the street. Yesterday I went to put clothes in my closet and I heard a very faint but clear pack of canine animals barking yelping and crying all at the same time, different sound from each canine. Could easily be coyotes looking for others but am also insanely paranoid, the fact my dog was barking more than usual throughout the late afternoon was also concerning. The sound slowly faded away however and just disappeared I asked my friend today in class who's in the same area if he heard the same pack of animals crying making those noises, he did and it reassured that I wasn't crazy. He's also 4 blocks away from me, around a 8 minute walk, which concerned me because I'm also not sure how far a normal animal cry travels. He seemed to be a little suspicious of it as well. If anyone knows anything please do let me know if I'm being stupid or not. I had always loved working as a park ranger. The fresh air, the beautiful landscapes, and the opportunity to help people made it the perfect job for me. But when I discovered that my colleagues and supervisor were hiding the truth about dangerous predators in the park, everything changed. I couldn't believe it at first. The idea that something was stalking people in the woods seemed like a fairy tale. But the evidence was clear, and I couldn't ignore it. When I confronted my colleagues, they denied everything and told me to mind my own business. But I knew that I couldn't stay silent. I decided to take matters into my own hands and went into the woods alone to find out what was really going on. I had my rifle with me, just in case. As I walked deeper into the forest, I began to hear strange noises. Branches cracking, leaves rustling, and something moving in the bushes. My heart was pounding in my chest, and I could feel the hairs on the back of my neck stand up. Suddenly, I saw it, a huge, hulking creature with razor-sharp claws and glowing red eyes. It was one of the predators that had been attacking people in the park. I knew that I had to act fast if I wanted to survive. I aimed my rifle and fired hitting the creature in the chest. It roared in pain and charged at me, its claws slashing through the air. I fired again, and again, until the creature finally fell to the ground. I felt a surge of relief and triumph, but also a sense of horror. This creature had been human once, before it was transformed into a monster by my former colleagues' experiments. They had been playing God, and now innocent people were paying the price. I knew that I had to tell the world what had happened, to make sure that nothing like this could ever happen again. I walked out of the woods, feeling both proud and haunted by what I had done. Unfortunately, no one believed me. When I said that I have proof and that I'll lead them to corpse, they just laughed and called me crazy. Am I really crazy? Went to Table Rock View? Appalachian Trail, Dauphin, Pennsylvania, yesterday with some friends. We wandered a bit off the trail to look at an interestingly shaped rock and me and another friend heard what sounded like a fox but the noises were more like how an owl who but a bit more high-pitched. So imagine if a fox screamed but more relaxed like an owl who and it only happened three times then stopped. One of my other friends just randomly started talking about how people who hike around the Appalachian Trail report hearing noises like children crying or a woman screaming but it's a skinwalker trying to lure you further off the trail. I said wait didn't you just hear that? Kind of sounded like a high-pitched fox noise? That was when my one friend say yeah he heard it too but my other friends didn't notice it. I was literally expecting to see someone. Possibly younger kids walk up the trail but no one else ever came during that time. What do y'all think? My name is Christian. I'm from Hawaii. I figured you may find this interesting though and to be honest, I just want to share the experience with a group of like-minded individuals after keeping it to myself for so many years. 
I'm 32 now this happened to me around the age of 16, in 2007. I grew up in a small town on the island of Oahu squeezed between the ocean and a long cliff mountain. I lived across the street from where this occurred. In the forest, they butted up against the property of one of my best friend's family. And three or four of my friends got a hold of some wood and built a deck under a huge kiawe tree on that we put a really big camping tent on. We called it the base. We had a bare mattress on a box spring in there, a coffee table and two old seats we took from an abandoned van we had found on the roadside. This experience happened probably six months after we set it up. My friend and I were sitting in the tent as usual. I was sitting on the mattress and my buddy was playing a new song he'd been learning on the van seat, closest to the tent door. The other seat sat empty to his right in the corner of the tent. We were there for a while passing the guitar back and forth but as he was sitting there playing and showing me the chords up for this song, the sun was shining on the tent wall behind him and the shadows of the tree branches were gently swaying on the wall. This part is a bit hard to explain but as I was listening to the guitar this specific part of a branch shadow on the tent wall above the empty van seat caught my eye as it looked like there were two eyes on it swaying with a shadow. As soon as I looked directly at the two eyes, a face started to materialize and within probably 5 seconds there was a fully materialized kid sitting in the chair looking at me. I'd never felt or experienced anything like this before then or since. A chill ran down my body and I got that feeling like my entire skin caught on fire my eyes started welling up with tears and I couldn't breathe. The kid looked to be about 10 or 11 and wore a very distinct outfit. He was in a brown button-up vest and a white shirt underneath with a super pronounced sharp pointed collar. He had blonde hair combed neatly to the side and pale white skin. He locked eyes with me as I sat there frozen but trying as hard as I could breathe. While I basically started convulsing, my friend looked up and freaked out. He threw the guitar on the bed and grabbed my arm to pull me out of the tent. He was screaming, was that a ghost? What the heck was that? As we started running through the woods but I still couldn't get any breath into me to respond. I felt like I was choking. The woods were a tangled mess with tightly packed trees and big patches of head high grass. We ran slash tumbled straight through it instead of taking the tight little trail we normally use. We headed back to our friend's property. When we finally broke out of the forest of the property, our other friend was actually there washing his mom's Tacoma in the driveway. It wasn't a surprise to him that we were coming out of there from the hangout spot but his first words to us as we ran towards him was, holy crap, what did you guys see? The friend I was with yelled, ghost. We ran right past him to the main driveway, jumped on our bikes, and without even saying anything, rode in opposite directions to our houses. This was in broad daylight probably 2 or 3 in the afternoon. I rode straight back to my house jumped in bed and just cried. I couldn't shake the feeling. I felt gross and completely creeped out. It's still hard to explain the feeling it put me in as a teenager growing up in that area. And at the time we pride ourselves on being tough and strong and it was completely out of character for me but this experience completely shook me. I have no explanation for it to this day. There's more that may or may not be connected to this but a month later, four of us were exploring in the forest probably a quarter mile straight up towards the mountain from the base which was actually just a steep 200 foot overgrown rock cliff that ran the length of our town above the forest. We found a small cave. It was a ground level about knee high and probably six feet wide. It looked like it went in a good way. We were all super surprised that we had never seen it before because we thought we knew every inch of this forest. Just to the right of the cave is a small pile of rocks that had crumbled down from the cliff and a piece of bone was laying between two of the rocks. I thought it was part of a bird's skull since we very often found them and always brought them back to the base and had a pretty large collection at that point. I grabbed it, pulled it up from between the rocks and it turned out to be the front of a human skull. The back was broken off but it was the forehead, both eye sockets, nose, and teeth. As soon as we all realized what it was, it felt like I got hit with an electric shock. 
I dropped the skull and we were all losing our minds at the find. My heart felt like it was exploding out of my chest and I was shaking uncontrollably. We all got down, looked into the cave afterward, and saw the rest of the skeleton inside. The rib cage was closest to the front of the opening and we can see other bones tucked farther back in. They looked old. The strange part of this was that less than a week later we went back to see the skeleton with some other friends and when we got to the spot, the cave was completely filled in with small rocks that fit together perfectly like a tight-fitting rock wall completely filling the cave opening without any mortar. And directly in front of it was a tea plant that wasn't there before but it didn't look like it was planted recently. It looked like it had grown out of the ground right there. Tea leaves are used to wrap around stones to be left in the forest as offerings to the spirits just as some context as to the plant that was there. This area was behind my friend's property and was really only accessible through the property and we still have no explanation as to how anyone could have come within the week to wall up the cave and plant the tea plant or have even known that we found the skeleton. Having that happen paired with us having the kid materialize in the tent with us is almost too strange and should not be connected somehow. Hey there. This encounter isn't mine but it is my partner's, she has spoken to me many times about this when we exchange weird or scary encounters we've experienced. Hers are always way more exciting than mine given that she sorta attracts this type of stuff. Anyways, I've asked her if I could post it here on Reddit so she can have some insight or something to help identify this thing or even have people come out and share if they have had a similar encounter with. Enough with my rambling, here we go. For this we'll call my partner Al. Al was about 14-15 years old when all this went down. Living in New Mexico, we aren't strangers to weird sightings and whatnot, skinwalkers, spirits, etc., but it's still very frightening. She lived in a trailer park outside of Farmington and in the middle of Kirtland if that makes sense. This trailer park was practically in the middle of nowhere next to the hills, as well call them and more so specifically for her because her trailer was in the very last row of the trailer park. It was next to do a little playground which then lead to empty hills. That'll be important for later. Before the whole sighting she had, there were some weird occurrences prior to that. This all happened around February to June in 2015. Al would hear taps on her window, specifically three loud taps like someone was banging on her on it. She said that you could tell it was still a little tap since she could hear a nail or fingernails if you will. One night while staying up late and playing video games June, Al eventually got sick and tired of hearing those taps every single night around 1-2 am. She had decided to look out her window to see what it was. She thought it could have been a tree or maybe a random druggie but oh boy no it wasn't. After she lifted the makeshift curtain blanket, she didn't have blinds, I saw a hunched gray-skinned humanoid thing. It was very thin and bony, having very long appendages. The way it was hunched was as if someone was sneaking outside their friend's window tapping it to get their friend's attention without getting caught, its arm was retracting back as if it had just finished its tapping. Its hands had three fingers, long and bony just like everything else about. The best way A can describe the way they looked would be think of a long finger that's sharp at the end like wooden stake that would be used to kill a vampire. Not exactly like claws but not like a human finger either. Kind of like Salad Fingers Fingers, I think that's his name. Its face looked very stretched like it would fall off at any point. Its mouth was stuck into this creepy grin slash grimace that perfectly showed its sharp jagged teeth. Think of like a shark tooth or thick broken beer bottle glass. It didn't really have a nose, just a slits in the middle like Voldemort. The eyes were big, hollow holes, black and just an endless void that cover up the majority of the upper part of its head. When it saw A, it stood up to its full height and stepped, not jumped, stepped over her 7 foot backyard fence and walked towards the playground I had mentioned earlier. The whole time it hobbled towards that direction, multiple dogs in that area were going haywire, barking and growing like an intruder was walking about. A was freaked out obvious and stepped away from the window and went about the rest of her night terrified. 
A couple days later, specifically the day she turned 15, I heard another tap on her bedroom window that night which she had ignored. Couple hours later A woke up to the sound of something scratching her closet door from the inside. A at this time had no animals in the house. Hearing the scratching, she booked it out her room and slept in the living room that night. No incidents had occurred for a week after that until one day. A was home alone. Her sister and mom had gone grocery shopping and wouldn't be home for a few hours. Being a teenager home alone, she was playing her video games in her room when she heard a voice somewhere in the house that sounded like her sister was calling her name. So assuming that they were back from grocery shopping, A left her room thinking her sister was calling her to help put up the groceries but she found no one in the house. The car was still gone. A went back to her room dismissing what she heard and chalked it up to her imagination. 30 minutes later, she heard it again. Previously while looking she checked every single room besides one. Her sister's room, which, always unsettled her and she was told to keep out of it obviously so she didn't bother looking in there. Tata where the voice was coming from. As soon as A stepped through the door and turned on the light, she felt an unsettling presence in the air. The voice called out again and it sounded garbled and echoey, kinda like it was reverbed. I automatically knew it was coming from the bathroom, specifically the shower. So she closed the bathroom door and walked backwards, making sure to keep her eyes on the door to make sure it wouldn't swing back open and whoever this was wasn't charging at her. Turning off the bedroom light, I still trained on that door, and shutting the bedroom door as well. Turning around, I noticed that the back door was wide open. Her stomach dropped and a chill ran up her spine. Nausea bubbled up in her gut as everything was setting in. Someone was into the house. Or rather something. She slammed the back door shut and bolted back to her room, locking her door behind her. Being so mortified A put headphones in to drown out any more noise of whatever was there could make and resumed her video games as a distraction. That was the last encounter A has ever had with whatever this thing was. She thinks the creature outside her window was the one in her closet scratching the door and house mimicking her sister. I don't doubt that, but in my head the mimicking thing sounds more like a skinwalker. I'm Native American and have grown up with those stories as my dad has had some experience with them so naturally that's what it sounds to me but I don't know. I also believes it could be some extraterrestrial being like an alien or something. Nothing else has happened besides a few unrelated supernatural encounters for A but she feels terrified if anything reminds her of this experience. It sends her into a more primal fear fight or flight mode that verges on a borderline panic attack. Every time I hear this story, personally, it makes me want to crap bricks. Sorry for my writing skills I'm not the best storyteller and I hope this post follows the guidelines because I really want other people to hear this and help A connect with others who've maybe had a similar experience to hers. Feel free to ask any questions and I'll answer M. There's a bit more detail to this story but I chose to summarize it. Thanks for reading. It was Christmas Day, late afternoon. I have a ham in the oven and we were waiting for it to be done. My husband and his dad went to the neighborhood Quick Mart. They were driving home and turned onto our street which is just down the block from a school. They see what they thought was a hang glider landing on the football field. They remember it's Christmas Day and we live in a very suburban neighborhood less than a mile from downtown. Who would be hang gliding on Christmas Day when the area is full of houses, trees, etc. They saw a human figure gliding in the air about 100 yards above the ground and the car was about 30 yards from it. My husband describes it like this. It was light gray as if it is a smooth suit, with no scales or bumps. It seemed to be wearing goggles. He did not see arms. He saw wings behind him, like the ice skater racers in the Olympics, arms close to the body but maneuvering. Its wings were not feathered but does not have any more details. At no time did it unfurl them completely. The thing seemed to realize that it was being watched and it rose and it suddenly changed direction. My husband tried to trail it in the car but it flew away quickly.
I admit I have written to Anne Rice about my account of my encounter with a vampire. I find it interesting that she first wrote Interview with a Vampire in 1973. The book was published in 1976. I didn't read the book until 1980. Upon reading the book I felt she may have met the same person I met in 1973. I have never received a reply from her. I do realize that she probably gets thousands of emails per month on her website. I wrote to her in 2001. I have told my story several times to several different people and always get the same response, one of disbelief. Although my mother and sister sometimes still tease me, asking, do you remember when you dated that vampire? I am now 51 years old. 34 years ago I was 17 and that summer I was working for the U.S. Forest Service as an intern through a government program called the Neighborhood Youth Corps. We planted trees and dug potential fire break lines in the forests of northern Idaho. A firefighting crew came into town midsummer since it was a particularly dry summer and was on stand by just in case they were needed. Among that crew was the most beautiful young man I had ever seen. He had long blonde hair, perfectly symmetrical features. He reminded me of a more refined version of Robert Plant of Led Zeppelin. He was tall and handsome and everything I ever thought I would give up my virginity to. I spent a lot of time just looking at him. He apparently noticed and began talking to me when the crew came into town from their forest stations. He asked me out and I was ecstatic. We met for dinner several times, always late, after 10 p.m. He never ate, urging me to order whatever I would like to have and he would have a glass of wine. I never knew how old he was but the drinking age in Idaho at the time was 19. He also had a European accent of some sort. He said he was from Germany. We would part at the restaurant, he never made any attempt to kiss me, which I thought very strange since every other guy I had dated prior was always all over me. One night I suggested we meet at a place very near to my apartment, as I planned to ask him back to my house afterward for whatever. You got it, I wanted him. Fast forward to my apartment. After opening a bottle of wine and chatting he said he wanted to take me into his confidence because he really liked me. He continued to say that he doesn't usually tell anyone the truth about him because it scares people. Okay, I felt the first flash of fear. He then went on to tell me that he was from Germany and was over 400 years old, that he was a vampire. I didn't know what to say. So, I asked, what do you mean? Vampire? He said he was from an aristocratic family and was chosen and attacked by a vampire in his family's estate. He was made a vampire by his attacker. By virtue of what he had become he left with this other vampire and traveled all over the world. He came to hate him so much that he branched out on his own in France after many years. I asked him if he drank blood and killed people. He paused and said that yes, sometimes he chose to take a human life. Okay at this point my fear was turning to terror. He was either a psychopath with a really interesting story or he was the real thing and I was about to die either way. I told him he was scaring me. He said he thought he probably would and that was not his intention. It was hard for him to make friends and when he felt he could trust someone he would tell them the truth about himself since his lifestyle was not ordinary and needed the acceptance of what friends he had to maintain a friendship with them. He also told me that he knew I was expecting to have sex with him and that he would agree to that, but that sex was really no longer pleasurable to him although he knew it was pleasurable to normals. Okay by this time I was really freaking out and said I think you should leave. I remember he looked really sad. He said of course he would leave but he wanted me to think about being friends with him. I said, I don't think so, you need to leave. He got up slowly and picked up his jacket and reached inside his jacket pocket for a pen and paper. I was really shaking by this time and thought his every move was a ploy to his move to kill me. But he wrote his phone number at the camp on a piece of paper and said, if you change your mind, call me and then he left. When he walked out the door I was trembling so badly I could barely dial the phone. I called my mother to come get me to take me home that night. I told her I just ended a date with a really creepy, scary guy. 
I paced the floor until she got there listening for any sounds that might indicate that he was breaking into my apartment. I told my parents and they said I did the right thing by calling them. My dad said it's time for you to move out of that apartment and I did. I never called the guy and I never saw him again. His name was Manfred Kirshner. I have never forgotten him. I thought he was a psycho until I read interview by Anne Rice. I have wondered for 28 years now if he is who Rice called Lestat. Believe me or not, there you have it. I was camping in Rock Quarry the night before we were going to rock climb. The kids were shooting of bottle rockets in the quarry for about an hour. Then we were all standing around fire just talking when all of a sudden this loud scream came from the top northwest side of the quarry. At fist we just stood there looking at each other, kind of wondering what in the world, what just screamed. I asked John my friend who has been an avid outdoorsman his whole life if he had ever heard something like that before and he said he didn't know what it could be. Then there was another scream but it was more intense and it seemed closer this time. At this point my oldest son went and locked himself in my pickup truck. The screaming went on for a good 10 minutes at least. We were just standing there by the fire amazed at what we were hearing. I had been videoing the boys with my camcorder and I didn't even think to turn it on at all. I wish I would have now. The screaming finally ended and we didn't know what it was and just kind of talked for a while longer and went to bed. Later on I awoke to hear some far off screams and then they ended and I fell back asleep. We really never talked much about it after that until one night I was listening to some of the Bigfoot sounds on your page and when a certain sound came up the hair on my neck stood up. It was the exact same sound we heard that night in the rock quarry. To verify that I was hearing what I was hearing I went and woke my son up and told him to come listen to this sound on the computer, I also told him not to look at the computer but just listen to see if he recognized the sound. I clicked on the sound and my son after listening immediately said, that's what we heard when we went camping at Rattlesnake. And that pretty much confirmed it for me. My opinion is it was Bigfoot. I have hunted and been in the woods my whole life and have never heard something like that before or probably will again. I regret not taping the sound but who was to know. But I definitely believe. This lasted three nights in a row. The first night we were awakened by a very powerful scream. The only way I can describe it was it was like the sound of tires on the road coming to a screeching halt. Just like all the other Bigfoot stories, it was unlike anything I've ever heard and I know it wasn't a bear, cougar, elk, etc. It was very loud and lengthy and what caught my attention was it wasn't moving through the woods as a normal North American animal would. It was staying in one spot. It sounded to me like it was breaking tree limbs and rolling logs down a hill. This lasted about 10 minutes or so then it went away. This happened for the next two nights about the same time, but on days two and three it kept moving farther and farther away. Needless to say I was terrified but also interested and curious. I was too scared to get out of my tent so I just lied there and listened and hoped it wouldn't bother us. I was camping with my family at Timothy Lake. Late one night we were awakened by people at nearby camps yelling saying that there was a bear or something outside. We then heard something running pretty fast. I can remember feeling the ground shake when its feet hit the ground. It ran not too far from our tent into the woods and it sounded like it might have ran into a tree because we heard a loud bang and the sound of a tree cracking and falling. We aren't sure what it was though. While sitting in the blazer, with three other females ranging in age from 1334 all of which were sleeping, that was broken down waiting for help to return I noticed on the east side that there seemed to be something peeking out from a tree approximately 20 into the woods. I was thinking that it could have been a trick of lighting and the wind moving some branches as the only time I seemed to be seeing movement was when I was looking straight ahead to the north the direction the blazer was headed and this was out of the corner of my right eye to the east and every time I would move my head to the right it would stop. 
I played this game for a while, but decided that if I was really seeing something, that I was going to have to turn my head to the right. I dozed off for a while and when I awoke I was still looking off to the right, east, and there was something peeking around a tree that was closer more like 15 feet or so, so I just kept my eyes on the object and was able to make out that it was tall. When you make decisions for your company, you look for the no-brainers. And if you have a lot of mailing to do, Stamps.com is the ultimate no-brainer. It streamlines your processes to make your business more efficient, which makes you less busy. Mail checks, invoices, legal documents, and everything you need to keep your business running with Stamps.com. Seamlessly connect with every major marketplace and shopping cart. Schedule package pickups and see your cheapest and fastest shipping options from different carriers. With rates up to 89% off USPS and UPS rates. And with the Stamps.com mobile app, you can take care of mailing and shipping wherever you are. Make the same no-brainer decision as over 1 million other businesses with Stamps.com. Sign up with code PROGRAM for a 4-week trial, plus free postage and a free digital scale. No long-term commitments or contracts. That's Stamps.com. Code PROGRAM. Harry, light coloring in the face except for the eye and mouth area. It didn't move but just like a shifting of feet once in a while. It didn't advance anymore, but seemed intent on watching what was going on or in seeing just what it was that it was looking at. I couldn't smell anything as the wind was blowing to the east. I didn't awake anyone because I didn't want to scare them. I didn't feel threatened, but I wasn't going to go and check it out either. At 3.30 help arrived and so I concentrated on what needed to be done to get the broken down rig off the hill. Also noticed, the footsteps that were heard were further down the hill, closer to the second split in the logging road. I don't have any more detail other than what I already said about that part. Other witnesses, there were four of us up on the hill. I was waiting for my husband to come back with help. The other three were sleeping. I didn't mention this to anyone till later in the day. The 17-year-old said that she had heard walking around the truck and that she knew the difference between two and four feet stepping around and that it was something on two feet. She didn't see anything though. I was looking out a second-story window in the Sandy and Hotel in Sandy. I was facing the north, toward the woods and the Columbia River beyond. Before I go any further, I'd like to emphasize that I am not sure that I actually heard a Bigfoot sound. I am mainly putting it on here because I have thought about it in depth, that's why the delay in reporting, and the only thing in my memory that has any resemblance at all to what I've heard is the past audio recordings of Bigfoot, although what I heard had better audio. I still wonder if this was a Bigfoot, how or why it would have been near a town but I have no other explanations. I was in Sandy, Oregon with my family during the weekend of July 21st, 23, 2000. We were staying at the Sandy Inn, which is just west of the main part of town. It was hard to sleep the night of the 21st, it was very humid and some thunderstorms did move through about midnight or so. I was up several times during the night, either to shut the window, open the window, turn on the air conditioning, etc. I got up once around 3 or so in the morning on the 22nd after the storms passed. I was sticking my head out of our second story window, enjoying some cool air and kind of looking off into the woods toward the north. There was not a sound anywhere, that I could hear. No cars on the highway, nothing. Then I heard a very indescribable sound. I thought at first it was tires screeching but as the seconds passed I realized a car would have to be burning rubber for a long ways. Then as I kinda cleared my head, I thought it sounded like a man screaming, or better yet, wailing. But I've then ever heard a human do a sound like that either. It was not a moan or howling with an O sound, it was more like IE ah IE. Very high pitched. It won't do me much good to try to interpret the sound in letters. But the way the pitch of the sound went up and down so fast, I've never heard any animal or human do that, and I've heard quite a lot of animals. If a a human did what I heard, they'd bust their vocal cords. It went on for about 20 seconds maybe a little longer, but not sure of that. 
It did seem to kind of trail off at one point then come back. I know it was long enough for me to get a good listen. It was not close by, either. The window faced toward the north, so it's possible that's where it came from but I can't be sure of that. It seemed like it was off in the distance somewhere. When it started, it was rather quiet, and ended trailing off in the same manner it started. Even though I was a bit groggy, it was weird enough to wake me up and even scare me a bit. I didn't think too much of it at the time but the next morning I was thinking to myself, what was that? I didn't report it or consider that until now because I wasn't sure and after a while I honestly had forgotten about it until something in my mind triggered it again. All I can say is, if it wasn't a Bigfoot, fine. But please tell me what it was. My wife and I were on our honeymoon in Shenandoah Valley National Park in Virginia in 2019. We were excited to get an early evening hike in as we just arrived in town. We were driving to a hike on Skyline Drive at around 6 p.m. In a thick mist with overcast skies. We passed a strange-looking, solitary man on the road a few hundred yards before the trailhead. I made a comment to my wife about how odd he looked, unkempt, vacant looking, etc. We hiked up 1.5 miles up the mountain to the end of the trail where it terminated at the AT. My wife stopped to pee and we collected ourselves before we turned to head back down towards our vehicle. Out of the mist, not making this up, came the guy we'd passed on the road earlier. He was low-key brandishing one of those combination hatchet-slash-hammer multi-tools at his side, he wasn't just carrying it it was somewhat raised. It gets creepier. He made a comment as we passed him about how he had found a set of teeth the last time he was up there. We made an awkward acknowledgement of what he'd said, nervous laugh, and then quickly started down towards our vehicle, looking back up to where we'd come to see if he'd turned to follow us. Once we were 100 feet away, we began running down the mountain. We'd stop every minute or so to listen or observe what was going on. It was terrifying. We obviously made it back to our car. But we were shook. We would read a few weeks later about how someone had been arrested in connection with a killing near that area when we were in that area. I love camping. I try to go every summer. My family has a little cabin on Moxie Pond, right on the water. It's a couple hundred miles headed northwest and then about 10 miles down the old logging roads to get to our spot. I love it. It's trees and water and no neighbors to be seen. It's quiet, unless the dickhead across the pond is running his generator all damn day. There's no power, it's gas lights and stove. No plumbing, no running water other than what you pump from the lake using the old-fashioned hand pump over the sink. You do your business in the outhouse and throw some cedar shavings on it as a courtesy to the next person. My girlfriend have been together for about two years. She's more from the city, but she was excited to come with when I said I wanted to go up to camp this year. We couldn't go last year. So we packed our clothes and food and whatnot into my truck and started up. It's about a four-hour drive, about an hour and half on the highway until you get to Shohegan, Scow Vegas, it's occasionally called, and then it's another couple hours driving through tiny towns that are trapped in yesteryear and falling apart. The further you get from the paper mill, the worse it looks. But, the better it smells. Driving by the paper mill smells like a wet skunk fart. You'll eventually get up into the mountains. The views are amazing. Sometimes some masshole will give you plenty of time to admire them as you're trapped behind their bumper as they creep along you eventually get to the Forks. The Forks contains Barry's General Store, Whitewater Rafting Companies, and not much else. We got up there closer to the end of twilight, so there was nothing going on, no people out. You take right, drive to the dam at the end of the lake, take a left and you're on the logging roads. You have to go kinda slow on the logging roads, I almost kissed a young moose one year when it jumped out right beside my truck, its nose almost coming through my open window. You're surrounded by nothing but trees. The forest is so thick, you can't really see past the first trees. 
especially at night. I've had some weird things happen up here over the years. I've heard a blood-curdling scream in the middle of the night that sounded like a girl getting murdered. The next day, I found a half-eaten rabbit floating in the lake. That put my mind at ease. A rabbit can scream and it'll sound just like a little girl. I've heard singing in the woods, away from the direction of any other camps. It was a beautiful, mournful song, and I didn't understand the language. That's a different story though, I digress. We're driving down the logging roads, and I'm quietly laughing to myself as my girlfriend clutches my arm tightly, her eyes wide. She occasionally punches my leg when I don't stifle myself well enough. I don't blame her for being scared, she's never been in woods like this before. But, I warned her. And, it was her fault we got such a late start anyway. So, we have to drive in at night. Once you get closer to the lake, the trails get smaller and more overgrown. Birch trees, bent over from years of snow and wind, scrape their branches over the top of the truck, occasionally blocking my vision. There's always maintenance to be done. I'm used to my eyes playing tricks on me. So, I didn't think anything of seeing the shadows moving around us, I just wrote it off as being a trick of the light as the front of my truck bounced on the wretched road. My girlfriend would occasionally gasp and whimper and say what the F is that? As the shadows played around us. Finally I just had her put her head in my lap and I played with her hair as I drove, constantly telling myself that the figures and shapes I see are just trees and shadow. This isn't my first time doing this. I get a little turned around in the dark, but we get to camp okay. I let her put her head back up and I take her in my arms and comfort her before we get out, telling her that nothing weird has ever happened up here. It's a lie, but I only have to get her out of the truck and into the camp. I grab my flashlight and get out, and walk over to her door. I open it for her, grab her bag, and walk her into the camp. I get the gas going and turn the lights on, sit her down in the comfy chair, hand her her book, and go to get the rest of the stuff out of the truck. We're moved in, and I make us dinner while she reads. Safe inside, she's calmer now. But she did have me close the blinds to the double slider at the front of the camp. I was going to anyway. During the day, it's a wonderful view of the lake. But at night, the fear is always at the back of my mind that I'm going to look out them and see something standing on the porch, looking in. We eat, we enjoy the privacy in each other, and we go to bed. We stay in the camp for a couple days. There's nothing that needs doing. We read, we swim, we f, we take the kayaks out and visit the islands. I tried to get her to just be naked while we're alone up here, but no luck. I brought a tent, because I'd like to spend a night right out in the woods, but it's hard to convince her at first. But after a couple nights spent drinking by the fire without anything weird happening, she's more inclined to try it. As long as I bring my shotgun. Which I was going to do anyway. I've never had an encounter with a bear or wolves up here, and we didn't hear any howling, but I'm not staying in the woods unarmed. It's the third or fourth night when we go out. We don't go far, because I know better than to just wander off into the woods. We stay in sight of the big tree beside camp. We can't see the camp, we can't hear the water. But we find a nice flat spot in a small clearing, and I put the tent up. You can probably imagine how we then spent the rest of the day. We had hot dogs and s'mores over the fire that night, and then I put the fire out and we staggered to bed. She fell asleep quickly, I didn't sleep so well. I feel like I was in and out all night more caught in the in-between world than actually asleep. I felt her get up and saw the muted light from her hand covering the flashlight, but I couldn't react or say anything. I'm not sure I didn't dream it. She went out, and after a minute she came back in, with the light off. She laid down and was out again. I still couldn't move, so again, I'm not sure I didn't dream her going out. My dreams are generally this not exciting. But I know I woke up when I heard her voice from outside the tent, her face on the other side of the fabric. A desperate and terrified whisper, you need to get out of there, that's not me. Get out, we need to get back inside the camp. 
My blood ran cold and my eyes opened. At least, I think they were open, I couldn't see a thing. I sat up and went to reach for my shotgun, just in case. But I felt her hands wrap around me and gently pull me back down. She whispered where are you going? And I just froze. I let her pull me back down, as my mind raced. My thoughts were like a broken mirror, tumbling around in a dryer, smashing into each other and splintering even more. I said nothing, I just laid down and listened. My girlfriend still had her hands lightly across my chest, and she seemed to have fallen asleep again. I laid there in the dark, straining to hear anything other than her breathing. There was nothing. I had to chalk it up to dreaming. But, I also had to look before I could go to sleep. I started to get up again, but again, she pulled me down and got on top of me, aggressively kissing me. She didn't go to bed naked. She always wears pajamas. She wore some light blue pajama pants and one of my shirts to bed. But they're gone now, though. I wear nothing to bed, so it was easy for her to get what she was after. It's exceedingly rare for her to initiate. That's almost always been my job. She's always an eager participant, but I think this was maybe the third time in two years that she initiated herself. And she put herself on top, and she was aggressive. I'm not complaining about not having to do the work, or the enthusiasm, but all three together is like finding a unicorn. A unicorn. As she did her thing, I eventually put what happened out of my mind and finally got my head in the game, thanking the alcohol. After we finished, she immediately got up and went outside. I figured she just had to pee, but she didn't bring a light. She never just gets up right after. We always just lay there for a while. She left the flap open, I'm sure because she was coming right back. I noticed I couldn't hear anything, at all. Not that I was trying to hear her piss, I just figured that she wouldn't be concerned about it and go too far from the tent in the dark. After a couple minutes, I heard her footsteps returning. She came through the flap and was already on her way to laying down before her feet were inside. I followed the sound and caught her in my arms. She was dressed again. I was going to ask her why she left her clothes outside, but she was asleep by the time her head hit my chest. I kissed her forehead and rolled her off of me so I could zip up the tent flap. Then I laid down, absolutely exhausted, and at some point I fell asleep while listening to the absolutely nothing going on in the woods around us. I thought it strange, but I just figured it was because we were out here. The next morning, I made pancakes and bacon over the fire for us. I mentioned the happenings last night, and she just looked at me quizzically. She couldn't remember any of it. She only remembered waking up to pee, taking the light, and then just going back to the tent and crashing again. She's not superstitious, so she just blamed the alcohol and was happy that she made me happy, and that was that. After breakfast, I started to break down the camp. I packed up some things for her to take back, pointed out the tree by camp, and sent her on her way. I watched her walk away for a minute, because I just enjoy watching my girlfriend walking away. She disappeared into the woods, and I set about breaking the tent down and getting it packed up. It went slower than I would have liked, you have to get everything just right if it's going to fit in its respective bags again. After struggling for a bit and scratching my head, I became aware that I wasn't alone. I turned around and there was my girlfriend, just looking at me. In broad daylight, she was naked again. My eyes lit up and she giggled at my face, then crossed the distance to me without a word. She used the rolled up tent to kneel on for about 20 minutes then just got up and walked off in the direction of camp. I'll admit, I was starting to have a hard time keeping up with her. Not that I was complaining, but I was feeling exhausted after every time. I finally got everything put away and went back to camp. I sat down and read for a little while before finally succumbing to a nap, sitting in the comfy chair in the sunlight, facing out the sliders. I woke up to my girlfriend getting touchy, after me again. When we were done, I immediately passed out. I woke up some time in the mid-afternoon, to wind and rain. I'm not sure when, we don't have a clock at camp. My girlfriend had moved to the couch, reading.
She was in just her underwear. I didn't know what prompted this change in dress code and appetite. I thought it was weird, but I was also happy about it. I started picking things up, as we were leaving the next morning. I went in the bedroom to gather any clothes. Her blue pajama pants and my shirt weren't anywhere to be seen. I asked about them and she said they were already packed. I went outside to take a leak. The winds were getting stronger now, and occasional fat raindrops would slap against my body. I could just barely hear my girlfriend calling my name, so I shook it off and went back inside to find out what she wanted. She was still sitting on the couch, reading. I asked if she was calling for me, she just looked up and shook her head. I reminded myself that sometimes my imagination gets the better of me, and just put it out of my mind. That night, she didn't let me go right to sleep. But I crashed hard after. I woke up with a mild headache, early in the morning. I had to pee again. I turned on my flashlight and covered it, leaving just a sliver of light. My girlfriend sat up and looked at me, so I turned the light towards her. Her eyes looked white and cloudy. I uncovered the light and she blinked from the brightness, and her eyes were back to normal. She cursed me for blasting her in the face with the light, and I apologized. I told her what I was doing, and to just go back to sleep. She told me to hurry back. The storm had passed. I walked outside, to the tree line. I shined the light through the trees while I relieved myself, just in case. The beam fell upon a patch of upset earth, all scratched and dug up. It wasn't far into the woods, so I walked over to it. Something had obviously gotten eaten. There was blood everywhere. I couldn't really make out any tracks, it just looked like there was a lot of thrashing and kicking involved. But it was weird that there wasn't a carcass. And it was weird that it happened so close to camp. If the body had been dragged off into the woods, I wasn't going to go looking for it. The next morning, we got ready to go and headed out. We talked about the weekend, but she seemed to have a spotty memory of it. I didn't think she had that much to drink. She kept herself entertained with me for most of the ride home. She'd never done that before, even when I asked for it. I was finally starting to think with the head attached to my shoulders. Her personality was different, at least when it came to sex. But aside from that, she still acted like she always had. I wasn't sure what to think. All she would say when I'd ask why she wasn't nearly as inhibited anymore was I got over it, delivered with a shrug and a smile. It's been a few months now, and her appetite is still high. I'm having a harder and harder time keeping up with her, I'm just getting tired more often. I've noticed I'm getting white hairs, and I just feel older. I'd talk to my doctor about it, but I can't afford that. I try to tell her I'm tired, but she always brings it out of me, and then I crash immediately after. And she always seems to have more and more energy. I don't know if I can keep doing this. I couldn't even write this in peace. Does anyone have any idea what's going on? I live in the Yukon and by my house is a wilderness trail. Great trails, leads to a bunch of lakes. I take my dog on the trails every day. Usually I have to walk him for at least two hours because he's part husky and has energy for days. Getting him to turn around any earlier than an hour is a nightmare. One day we're headed to the trails, doesn't seem like anyone else is around. Seems quieter than usual. We're maybe 10 minutes into our walk and we're on a trail that is completely surrounded by trees, my ears pop for some reason and it seems like the whole world's audio is turned off. Something also feels off. I look down and my dog who normally barks his ass off at all and any wild animal is crouched down, hackles up, completely silent and just looks up at me with distinctly fear-filled eyes. We turn around and he is pulling me back towards the house. He runs into my room and hides under the bed, he will not come out. He's under there for a few hours. When he did come out, he just sat staring out the window with his hackles up. He refused to go outside all night. Eventually he got over it and relaxed but even years later he won't go down that one path.
This happened circa 1971 or 1972, when my mother was about 14 or 15 years old. The incident occurred in a heavily wooded area near Montevallo, Alabama, close to Birmingham. My mother is the oldest of five children, she has three sister and a brother, who is the baby of the family. One weekend in the cooler months of the fall, my grandfather decided to take the whole family, my grandmother, my mother, and all my aunts and uncles, so seven people total, into the woods for target practice with a rifle. My mother grew up quite poor and they didn't always live in the best neighborhoods, so my grandfather wanted to teach the kids how to defend themselves with the rifle if need be. Like I said, it was later in the fall, so the trees were bare and there were lots of leaves on the ground. The wooded area was just off a dirt road, so this was a fairly rural area they were in. Since it was so far off the beaten path, my grandfather became startled when he heard the roar of a car engine so deep in the woods. My mom remembers the car as being a blue Ford Galaxy. Despite the fact that my grandfather had a gun, he totally freaked out and told my grandma and the kids to hide under a pile of leaves in the woods. He hid with them. The man in the driver's seat got out, dragged a woman's body out of the car, and just dumped her there in the woods and drove away. After my grandfather was sure the man had gone, everyone came out of hiding and the woman sat up and stared them straight in the face. My grandfather asked the woman if she needed help. She said no, she would be fine. She didn't seem to be injured and obviously didn't want help, she hadn't put up a fight with the man when he was dragging her out of the car, she must have known him? So my grandfather cut the shooting lesson short and decided to rush the kids home to safety. Well, on the trail back to the dirt road where my grandfather had parked their car, they passed the man in the blue Ford Galaxy driving out of the woods. My mom looked over and noticed that he had a huge machete laying across the front seats right beside him. My grandfather made sure that the man could see that he was carrying a rifle, but everyone was careful not to give away what they had just seen. The man struck up small talk with my grandfather, asked him how he was doing and what they were doing out in the woods. My grandfather explained that he had just taken his family out for some target practice with the rifle. The man told him to have a nice a day and continued driving. The next day, my grandfather went back out to that spot in the woods. There was not a body there. However, he did find the woman's wig, her purse, some Kleenex, and a pair of eyeglasses. He collected the items and took them home. According to my grandfather, that area of the woods was known for having shallow graves and being a dumping site for bodies. My mother became hysterical when he walked in the door carrying that stuff, she started screaming he killed that lady. He killed that lady. My grandfather ended up taking the items to the police station, but my mom doesn't think anything ever came of it, she never heard anything else about it after that. Well, she did hear one other thing about it, I guess. Early the next morning, my grandmother called my mom when she arrived at work, just before the kids left for school. She told them not to take the bus that day, that she would come home and pick them up and drive them to school. When my mom asked why, my grandmother said, because that car is waiting for you at the bus stop. I was hiking alone with my dog. It was at the beginning of the hike so I was still very close to a town. I met a family walking together, a man, a woman, and a kid. The man says hi to me and it's obvious he wants to talk so I stop, assuming he wants to ask about my dog's breed or something. My dog smells him and he says to my dog ah, you know who the master is here, WTF? Then he asks me are you not afraid to walk alone? I tell him no, I'm not. Then he asks me are you sure? You're a young woman alone, are you not afraid of being attacked? Well, now I am, thanks. I tell him that I'm close to the town, so no. He then told me how I shouldn't be without a man and keeps asking are you not scarred of being assaulted or killed by someone? At this point I wanted to ask him if by someone he meant him. I pointed out that I had a big dog with me, and told him how my dog was protective and wouldn't hesitate to defend me if anything goes wrong, which is true, 
but I mostly said it to scare him in case he had bad intentions. I made eye contact with the woman and kid at some point, and it was obvious they were embarrassed. Eventually I left and I never saw them again. This all took place in a rural area in France, not a place that's especially dangerous for women. I was hiking in a remote Arizona location. Nearing the trailhead as the sun was going down I ran into a guy who only had a sweatshirt on. No backpack. No water bottle. Just looked like he was on a casual walk to the mall or something. I remember after passing him that there was just something off about him. I had intrusive thoughts about how easy it would be for him to sneak up on me or something. I usually don't think about that at all but I couldn't shake it this time. It really didn't make sense that he was up here without any gear this late in the evening. Also I was still a good 3 miles away from the Tennessee when I passed him, so not like he's going for a quick stroll. He was hiking for at least 3 miles with no water or anything in Arizona. So finally I get back to the trailhead parking lot, curious to see this guy's license plate and where he was from, when oddly, there was no car in the parking lot. It was empty except for mine. This is the only parking space within this area and the next one is outside of the wilderness zone which was 10 plus miles away. Also there is a gate that closes at around sunset, so there is no way in after the gate closes, you can leave but can't come in, tire spikes so yeah you actually can't come in. So, to this day I have no idea how this guy even got there. Maybe he was dropped off but he would have had to know there was no way for someone to come back and get him. Signs posted about when the gates close, he would have known that he would be dropped off 10 plus miles outside of anything without any gear or water, in Arizona. Just so weird. Hey everyone. Last night I remembered a time I think I experienced sleep paralysis. I say sleep paralysis because I have no other logical explanation for what had happened. It was years ago, and I couldn't sleep at all. At around 4 am in the morning the door to my bedroom was opened and out came a woman, who looked very similar to my mother. Only she was eerily pale, and had a crack in her face as if she was made out of porcelain. Her hair was wiry and she hunched over. My heart was pounding as I saw her and she said in a low rumbling tone, to go to bed. But it came across almost like a threat, pointing her long nails at me. I tried to scream, but I couldn't get the word to escape my lips. It was as if they were sewn shut. 